0: Hi, it's Pete Price and Pete Price Extra. We're talking things about Liverpool, but right now I'm a little bit overwhelmed because sitting in front of me are a father and son duo, but not just a father. um, A man I've respected and admired for so many years, and when I first ever heard about him... I was at the Cabin Club as a chef becoming a DJ and he was a DJ at the Mardi Gras. He then spawned this beautiful man who's sitting next to him, who's his son, who is outrageous, over the top, does the most bizarre thing on Instagram on this earth. I have got in my company Billy Butler and Lee Butler. Oh, my word. How are you, Peter? I'm just... How was that for an intro?
1: I'm over as well, Pete. (laughs) Uh, Be be with me son, I mean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I didn't think it was me. I'm really glad you've popped in because I'm really excited about this. Lee, growing up with your dad, um, when did you first want to be a DJ? Um, I think the musical gene
2: has has, has followed down from my dad to me. You know, even when I can remember when my dad used to things have changed and we talk about things you miss in Liverpool I can remember early memories of my me dad getting his, his mail through and when my dad used to do his shows years ago from when I was young and I can remember him going through his letters that used to come in now it's all texts and and emails and but back then my dad used to get his all his letters that he'd add into the station um, and he'd be sorting them out yeah. uh, requests yeah. so requests don't come in now via letter very rarely do they Pete no um, but back then he used to have like bundles and bundles I remember him going through them I can also remember him going through his old uh, promos so like now uh, as a club DJ now I get my promos sent through via an email off all the big record labels but back then they were on 7 inch vinyl and I can remember me dad and he always used to puzzle me but now I understand it he used to play literally on an old record player he'd be skipping through all his new songs and he used to play literally 10 seconds of it and I'd think He's not even listening to them. (laughs) How can he know if they're any good? He'd put it on, skip it on,
1: lash it, or go, I like
0: it. Because he had that magic that he knew. What he was doing.
1: Yeah. I think it's also because yeah. I worked at clubs as well. That's yeah. where Lee and I are both the same. We worked as clubs as well as being on the radio. Yeah. So he had an insight into yeah. both sides the, the people listening at home and the people who were going to the club and yeah. hearing the songs no one yeah. else was playing. So I think that the, the thing about putting a little bit on came from my club days because I, if people don't get up at the beginning of a record. They're not going to get up. No. So that's why I used yeah. to play at the beginning and listen to it. That's it's one it, thing we yeah. miss, though, now. One thing
2: that has has gone, and I miss in Liverpool, uh, is, is vinyl. Vinyl's gone, but when my dad used to skip through them, I'm the same now. I know instantly within yeah. 10, 20 seconds whether that track's going to be any good for me, and it's yeah, gone. Yeah, but,
0: and the reason you say that, and, and you're right, is because you're both still where you are today, so you know your music. My first ever demo disc was Explosion in My Soul with the big white A, oh, yeah. and I used to put it on top of me records. They go, what, a- oh, I'm a DJ. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was, it on was like side. Yeah, it that's right. State my side. word, my word. Now, what was it like, Lee, growing up with Billy when he was on telly when he was on the panel? Yeah,
2: I mean I have more memories of my dad being on um the Mersey Pirates. Right. Yeah. Um, which
1: was born, a big program. On, but I don't think lucky stars, he wasn't born.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, no, I'm only no. th- twenty four piece. God you weren't in bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was so, looking at me
1: then.
2: So I can remember the Mersey Pirates, yeah. a few of the other yeah. bits he did, and we used to go on there, the um what was the one we did that you did the Fun it, Factory. The Tuck, Fun factory? And what was, the factory What was the one in Manchester you did with Bill Oddy? That was
1: that was Facts.
2: Facts as well. Ah, so, so I can remember going well. up there and, yeah. and bits of telly that he did. But it was more the music, really. That was that was yeah. in my blood, and I knew yeah. I knew from Mike when I used to buy a little Bush hi-fi system. I had two. I didn't couldn't didn't have decks back then. Probably when I was in my teens, I had these two little hi-fi systems, and I used to be mixing records on them and using the mic, and uh, and I knew then yeah. that this is what I wanted to do. And it was only when I started going clubbing
1: and and stuff like that when I was like I was to be one of the first with a pair of decks. I got them from Frank Hesse's, and I used to do a disco at the Downbeat. Yep. Um, before it was the Victoriana and I'd take my decks with me and plug them in and play and I think I was one of the only ones doing that at the time.
0: Billy you're very outspoken, you love Liverpool with a passion, you've seen it change so much, you're always in town, you're always walking round town What what have you seen that you don't like as a change? Well
1: it, it, it's difficult to say, really, because it, you, you, you're grown up with it, so you're adapting to it as it changes, you know what I mean? And what I do miss, I do I do miss the big stalls. I think we're getting now like every single town. You've all got the same shops in the city centre. In, those days, in, in the 60s and 70s, you could go up any of the little back streets here and there'd be all little shops there, all different shops selling stuff. And you had your big stores like Miss Littlewoods and Miss Woolley's and Miss Owen and Owen's and Miss George Henry Lee. They were all different stores, whereas today's to me seemed much of a muchness. And, in fact, when I, I, I often looked through uh, Murray's Guide, which had the list of what everybody lived in Liverpool in the streets. And, and I used to quote on air, here's what um, Ranley Street used to be like, you know, where Central Station is. And I'd, I'd read all the shops that were on Ranley Street. Now it's all pubs and diners. Well, Ranley Street used to be all shops from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I think now it's and the same with Bow Street. If you look at Bowles Street in the sixties, there was there was furriers, hat shops, and all stuff like that. Now Bow Street restaurants, restaurants, restaurants.
2: Yeah, I think people do. There's a there's a big call for the old shops of Liverpool. I've mentioned this on air before, and even people are mentioning stuff like old HMV, which is no longer with us. Even like clothes shops like All Mankind, Sexy Rexy, which were. <laughs> (laughs) Closed shops in town, in Liverpool. Um, You know, all those, like, sorts of shops that Liverpool had, uh, they're not there really anymore. There's big chains mostly now, isn't it? And those sort of, like, little shops that we had from years ago just aren't here.
0: I've got two pieces of furniture still from Henderson's. Yeah. And remember when it had that terrible fire? Yeah. That That was really, really bad. Billy, can you explain what it was like, what you felt when you saw them pulling the cavern down?
1: Well, like I've mentioned before, Peter, he it it didn't pull it down, he filled it in, didn't he? It, it, was, a, it was an acceptance. It, it had been there, it had saved its purpose, and we'd all enjoyed it. With hindsight, everybody's now saying, why did they knock the cavern down? But you were there. At the time, there was no protest. There was no protest around town saying, don't knock the cavern down, or anything like that. Not at all. So you know, it was just acceptance. I was, I've be, been there. I've done it. I really enjoyed it. I'll never forget it. But that's over, you know. And the fact that it's 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 risen from the ashes is it's phenomenal. It's something I've I've seen.
2: Online the other day, me see me dad doing this Facebook live thing, and it was about the cavern and the fact that the cavern is no longer with us, and the fact that there was no big uproar mm-hmm. when the cavern was filled in, mm-hmm. and it's such an incredibly iconic nightclub and scene of Liverpool, the biggest one, maybe even in in the UK, in the world, you yeah. could say, couldn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of them, yeah. Um,
2: and what it
1: amazing about the O Five One, probably. It's don't yeah,
2: it? not so much the O Five One, but it reminded me of Liverpool's Quadrant Park. Now, the Quadrant Park in Liverpool was the groundbreaking acid house rave club of 1990. Jimmy Spencer had it, he, he's like, he's old now, and uh, he turned this old nightclub. What's wrong with that? No. He's... <laughs> <laughs> true. True. But I've tried to get an interview with Jimmy because he was like, he, he was groundbreaking. He yeah. was like, and the Quadrant Park to many generations is just the most special, unbelievable, groundbreaking. Time We'd never heard this Italian house music. We'd never heard this whole scene. We'd never even seen this drug scene come to Liverpool and everything that went with it. Um, and people were absolutely swept away by this new sound and this new experience and this all-nighter and the all-nighter that was behind it till six o'clock in the morning. He was the first to get the licence for it. And it's well accepted that, it, like the Hacienda in Manchester, it is groundbreaking on, the, on on that scene. But when that got knocked down, it was the same. There was no... I mean, the Cavern doesn't compare to the Godson Park in a sense, yeah. but it's still, to, to the people who went, yeah. time, it was like... Oh,
0: yeah, no, that was that chunk of history it was, in Liverpool. It was incredible, yeah. and, to, yeah.
2: and all the clubs were going. Paradox yeah. knocked down. The paradox doesn't fall into the category of the Quadsden Park, but it's still one of a big talking point yeah. in Liverpool. Club 051, going to be student accommodation, will get pulled down. Cream, I mean, probably Liverpool's biggest success story as a nightclub, without a doubt. Global... Global, all over yeah. the world. A yes. huge success story. Probably the biggest one. It's,
1: knocked,
0: it's incredible. Gets knocked down. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Billy, going back to the Cavern and your love of music and your knowledge of music, did you ever, in your wildest dreams, think what was going to happen from the Mersey Beat Sound with the Beatles, Jerry and those? Did you honestly... No. It was... No. It, it, it was it, it,
1: all, we, all you wanted in those days, Pete, if we you were a band, was a record deal. If you got a record deal, that meant you were on the way. You know, and, we, and they all got record deals, but nobody could expect the success and the phenomenon of the Beatles. It's The fact that it's going on today, 50 years after, nobody could have imagined that. Nobody, even Derek Akora, couldn't have imagined that. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Just hang on, let me speak
2: to some. Let me speak to some. Some? Some?
1: We, we, all, we, all, we all knew it was successful, we all knew was doing, we were doing well, but the fact that we had hit after hit after hit, and Brian Epstein was a big part of that, of course, and then eventually they drained the city dry, the promoters drained the city dry, yeah. and we had to build her up again, and we always have. Then you get your Echo and the Bunny Men. you get your Frankie Goes to Hollywood, you get the real thing, and we've always been there somewhere. It's probably the longest we've ever gone without having a number one hit in Liverpool by a band. You know, but the legacy will always be there. Olympia will always be music, comedy,
2: yeah. tears, and laughter. Can I ask, just ask you a question? I've always wondered about the cavern. I've always wondered this. Now, I know it never got knocked down, That's it got indeed. filled in. Can you not be unfilled?
0: No, because the British, isn't the railway part of it? Is the it actual
2: building still there?
1: Underneath. Just filled in? No, I think it was something to do with the supports, the supports for the old cavern. You know, I think they be for the railway, with
0: it. yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what? It would never be allowed anyway because it was a death trap. It was a one stair in and one stair out with Paddy on the top. And the have closed it they're down the, in a they're half. Near the best half. venues,
1: them little. Pokey and intimate, intimate, and veggies. there's a river
0: underneath it as yeah. well. And then you had to eat, uh, have your bowl of soup before the sweat came down off the walls and the toils flooded over. It's a dreadful place. There's, there's, another, it there's another thing
2: that you touch upon, and that has gone out of nightclubs now. Now uh, is food. Now. When I first started going out, it could have been Secrets in Litherland. Do you ever remember Secrets? Yeah, in my yeah, club? yeah. They had a big section where you could yeah. get something to eat. The Paradox had a food section in there where you could have something to eat. Yeah. It was always burgers and something smelly, yeah. but was something there was always food available. Even in the state when I first yeah. went to state in '93, yeah. there was a you could get burgers at the back
1: in yeah. their yeah. kitchen. we could get hot dogs. Now, and can you? Can and can juice you imagine and lemonade?
2: now? Can you imagine now? People going out, yeah. right? On a night out, yeah. either wanting to cop off or going out with the girlfriend yeah. or the boyfriend or their partner and going out for a night out and actually sitting and eating chicken in a basket yeah. like they used to at <laughs> Secrets, you'd stink. What are the chances of copping off smelling of like tomato sauce yeah. and a good old-fashioned onions and burger?
0: I've got to ask you both because I've got Lee. Butler in and Billy Butler on my show talking about old Liverpool. Have you always gone along together musically or have you ever had any big bust ups over just over music? No, me
2: me dad is the is the is the classic, this all sounds the same when I'm playing house music. So years ago it would be just like, What's this? It's just I, that I constant say, beat.
1: I, I used to say the hang on, Lee, the piano's gonna come in any minute now. <laughs>
2: I <laughs> <laughs> so always say that he loved that yeah. mentality of like this. Just sounds <laughs> and all the great same. thing
1: is, sometimes is you know this Peter. Sometimes Ali will break a song with with, with, a, with, a, with a break in it. That was from the sixties. I wouldn't say hang on, Lee. That yeah. was hit years ago, yeah. was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, of because you moved in different circles than us because I did the cavern, the iron door, and places like that. You always moved. You were always a echelon on higher. Like you, you you did the cabin, you did uh, the posh Shaky. clubs in Duke Shaky, yeah. Street. Oh, so you've you been posh, were you? and in it the. Wow. Well, oh, typical. Ways. Didn't know typical, that, but Just found side Both sides of the water. He, was, yeah. he, he moved in different
0: circles, yeah. you know. By the way, Leslie Butler is in here. I've never known her so quiet in my life. <laughs> never known her so quiet in my life. Um, it, it's great that I've got you both in. Billy, walking round town, can you remember how bad. The docks were before they did the Albert Dockup? Yeah, well, there's nothing there, was I mean, I worked there. Walking round town, uh, can you remember how bad the docks were before they did the Albert Dockup? Yeah, well, there's nothing there,
1: was I mean, I worked there. I was a dock man, wasn't I, for American Express. So I used to go down the docks regularly, clearing stuff through customs and things like that. I can still remember one sitting at Cunard, and the, the Yankee boats used to come into Cunard, and they used to drop ballots of comics, American comics. Uh, and American magazines—they drop them on the quay because they used to be used as ballast on the boats. And I can always remember sitting there beside one of these pallets which had accidentally been breached, and all the <laughs> comics—all the comics were hanging out. And also on the next one there was another pallet which was full of Playboy magazine. Oh, right. So I'm sitting on—I'm nice. sitting on this bale of hay reading Spider-Man. And this fellow next to me says, <laughs> "Is there something wrong with you, Billy?" He said, "There's a big pallet of Playboy magazines there, and you're reading Spider-Man."
0: <laughs> Lee, what did you do before you became a DJ? Well, I've always been a DJ. No, no, I left school
2: um, and I went to Ebury College yeah. uh, and did a me City and Guilds Electrical Installation Two Three Six course. That's the only thing I can remember about it. What it was called? Um, I did a sparking course, and then. Um, set my own little business up with a guy from Formby and it was called D&B Electrical Services. I had a mini Metro, a red one, and we used to go house bashing and um, and that was, I was about 18 then, so 1988. And then 88, 89, the acid-house scene, the rave scene, the dance scene kicked in and I then left one of my works vans at an illegal rave in Blackburn. I drove there in it and forgot I'd gone in it and come home with someone else. So then that was my first fallout. So that was when you were um, in yeah. your
0: slaggy days. That's oh yeah, started. yeah, this is when
2: <laughs> this is when I was the off this is when the off the rails days started. Um so then I came back without the van. Um was off work for a couple of days, the my partner wasn't impressed. I then got a Peugeot two oh five van, um which I um, I got stolen from outside a nightclub, I'd left it out for three days. Um and basically I just got the book. once I was in, in the clubs, hearing this music, watching the DJs, you know, it was Mike Nola, John Kelly, these really early rave lads. Um, and I was just, I was swept away by the scene then and then I got my first set of decks and then...
0: Let me ask you a question while you're sitting there. I'll ask Billy first. Billy, we've, we've come through everything to get where we are today. Are you shocked? And then Lee will tell me why it happens. Are you shocked at the ginormous amount of money DJs get these days?
1: Absolutely astounded, piece. Absolutely astounded. And we were there. And when, when you think we did more than them, I mean, they just go, Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> are you enjoying yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Give it big. <laughs> You know what
2: I mean? We large talk. Of this. Give we it talk. Large. Give it large, <laughs> Lee. How's it happened? Yeah. Superstar DJs now are just you know. Most of them are broken through. Production and tracks, you know, likes of David Guetta, the likes of the Swedish House Mafia, the likes of Eric Pritz, They've all had massive, massive number one hits. Mm. They've got huge catalogues of of music and production, and it's just the way it is. The the DJs now on that scene are, you know, they're the superstars. Yeah. And
0: and they earn ridiculous money, they don't
2: they? Absolutely Tell insane people insane how
0: somebody. much, without mentioning a name, tell what you've heard that somebody's earned. they
2: hundreds of thousands of pounds a night. Just from um, playing music? Yeah, yeah
0: like me and him do yep never got like that much do. into She Club yeah The knock
2: six holes off for me dad
0: <laughs> you know I, I love that you know when he says the She Club I love telling a story I'll never forget doing cabaret downstairs and I went up to Tony Coburn when he had it and I went excuse me we've got a problem downstairs he said you're a good comic you can handle it and when he's got a gun <laughs> <laughs> long There's not many situations you can't
2: cope with, Peter. I've got to give you that. The gun,
0: is, the gun maybe. I've is... been I've been a, a gangster's mall, but never the
1: gun. <laughs> and the She-Club's cabaret room was different because the, yeah. the audience was side-on
0: to the stage. Yeah. The stage was there and the audience were facing each other, not the stage. Yeah. I've got to ask this question because we're talking about old Liverpool. In a nutshell, and it's a long story, I know, but in a nutshell, how did... Hold your plums, start because of course you did it on these stations. How did it actually start? Was it a a little tiny idea or what? It's
1: it's simple. It it, it was when I was at City when I left, I was doing a show called Heads and Tails, uh, which was very, very successful. So I took her over to Merseyside with me, but City kept it. It, it, City got Norman Thomas to do Heads and Tails while I was doing it at Merseyside. And then the boss at City decided to sue the BBC right. because they, we were copying off them. Starless. And I said, I said, no, no, this was my idea. So a certain person who was the boss at the time said to Wally, did you think of this idea? He said, no, the whole thing was Billy's idea. So they still threatened to sue, but Ian Judson at Mayside said, Billy, you know, I'm pr- quite prepared to go to court. I said, he said, but can you come up with something different? So Edson and Tails involved, they got a question right... Two coins got tossed up in the air. And when they came down, you'd hear, heads, tails, or head, heads So if you've got two heads or two tails, you're a winner. That's all it was. Lowest common denominator. Everybody tosses coins up. I'm going to replace it. Another lowest common denominator. Everybody plays fruit machines. So I went in to see the boss and said, I've got another idea for a show. We'll just ask a question. And we pull the handle on the fruit machine. If they get three correct, then they've won. If they get different ones, then they haven't won. And he said, what are you going to call it? I said, hold your plums. <laughs> and he went, what? I, I said, hold your plums. He said, well, can't we call it something different? I said, no, that's why I want to call it hold your plums. But Ian Judson was the boss at the time. He said, I tell you what, Billy, I'll send it in with our next list of programmes to the Radio Times. And if the Radio Times publishes it, we'd do it. And they did. Wow. So that's
0: how it got, we got the history. The, the rest is history. Finishing off, I've got to ask, what... Of the one thing, if there is one thing, or a couple of things in Liverpool, would you like back that you miss, apart from the big shops and stores?
1: Well, it's obvious for me, Peter. I'd rather have the big market back in the city centre that used to be here years and years ago, or even the old Scotty Road market, which is, you know, it's okay, but it's only a shadow of itself. Because, you know, I'm a market man, I love them, you know.
0: And you still go to. Oh, yeah. And you're still out <laughs> all the uh, what? What do they call it? I forgot. What they call it? Car them, boots. Car boots. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: It doesn't bother me at all if I buy nothing. It's just the anticipation there might be something there. And the funny things you see as well. You know. Have you ever found something that's worth a fortune? Well, found not a fortune, no, but over time things add up, don't they? Do you keep, mm. you know. I'm the same as you probably, Peter. I find stuff in the house now having the faintest idea where I got it from. <laughs> but you go to car boot sales and there's something there usually to, to tell the next day. Yeah. Like a fella walked up, there's a fella looking at a pile of tools and he picked a hammer up and he said to the fella, how much is this? He said, £2.50. He said, £2.50? Have you got any nails that I can try it on? You need snippets snippets like that, you
0: know what I mean? <laughs> Lee, what would you put back in the city, apart from the O five one? Um <clears throat> I'll tell you what I miss about,
2: about from years ago that I don't see going on anymore, and it's a little bit different. Some of the games we used to play as kids. Oh. You know, we used to have such fun and be feel safe on the streets when we were young. Wow. We never had phones. Your mum and dad couldn't know where you were. You know, my kids are all out now and they go out and once they're growing up they've had mobiles and because I want to know where they are and if they're safe. And the ability to just play in... I was grew up on Highton, so the ability to just play in the streets, play kerbs, play knock and run, yeah. play buddies, throwing them against the window, robbing wheel
1: cart... Stroke the bunny.
2: <laughs> just... Them fun, safe, young games we used to play as kids when you were growing up, I just don't see them no more.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see Christmas Day with people in the streets again. You, because you used to get up Christmas Day and all the girls would be there with the prams, all the fellas would be there with the footy boots and the guns and everything. You go out on Christmas Day now and no-one's in the streets. You used to I put your new clothes on on Christmas Day and go yeah. show off on them, didn't you?
0: Well, you used to have new clothes and also Sunday best, yeah. which yeah. they don't have anymore. Exactly. Amazing, uh, Leslie, say goodbye. Bye bye, Peter. I love it. She's, never <laughs> She's been got, got an angle, <laughs> <laughs> Lee Butler, Billy Butler. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to have you on my program.
1: Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. and I can't tell you how proud I am of my lad. You've seen some of the things he's been putting on Facebook about how bad his career was, how he's turned it round. You know, I think he's, 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 he's a brilliant image for anybody who's been you know, really in a bad way.
0: Aye, and can and I just say
2: how proud I am that my tan's better than yours today, Pete? <laughs> no, it isn't. Oh,
0: no, it isn't. Nearly. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, well. And may I say, thank <laughs> God you did come through it the other end and you looking you. a bit People cute People still again. think you're David <laughs> Dickinson, son. Hey, do, did you ever know what I did? I rang him up one day. I rang your dad up and I said, I love telling the story. I rang your dad up and I said, Billy, um, was your wife attractive? Your Lee's really good looking, and I put the phone down. He rang me back. He went, "You're one cheeky." <laughs> <laughs> I
1: remember phoning my producer, who can't be named because you won't let me.
0: <laughs> Wally Scott, Wally Scott, <laughs> Wally Scott. Ah!
1: We were doing. We, we used to do one of the many things we did on air. We did. We used to do the yes/no interlude on air, right? And I remember one night about half past one in the morning, I got, a, I, I got a, a tin plate and a spoon and I phoned Wally up. Off one in the morning. And he, he said, hello. I said, is that you, Wally? He said, yeah. We went, bong, but the phone down. <laughs> 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 Billy Butler, Lee Butler, thank, you, thank you so much. Thank you, Peter.